You haven't spent enough time with me. You left my ass. I know I did. I think about you all the time. Monkey I just miss the tickle fights. <laughs> I think you're thinking of somebody else. No, no, it's you. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch and goodness. Welcome Pacers fans. You are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 413, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're talking about who we are as a team. I've got a stat of the week and an under-googleable for you. Uh, joining me this week are two of our three analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Uh, quick shout out to Culture. Uh, when I was back home in Indianapolis, went to uh, some lights festival thing or something at, uh, what is it called now? The Indianapolis Museum of Art at Newfields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Um, which is a super cool thing. Um, it definitely is. I have no idea. It's it's way overpriced, I'm sure. And uh, Not if you're a member. Uh, Be a member. They, they, they try to sell you all all these blinking lights and stuff like that you can sort of avoid that but uh it's really cool support art um they have a you know like electric light orchestra things set to uh the nutcracker suite and stuff like that uh super cool that was good you can roast the s'mores support mm. the girl scouts as well roast a roast make your own s'mores okay all right we'll check that out Mm-hmm. From Denver, Colorado, he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles. John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? Uh, you just, uh, Jason, uh, reminded me. Um, shout out to my cousin Sophia, who is a Girl Scout, who uh, has apparently created or, or is uh, a part of something that um, creates a different type of s'more. Uh, she called it the scrambled s'more um and you basically just take the there's no graham cracker but you take the marshmallow and the chocolate and you um you basically grill it up on open fire like a scrambled egg and it's this like fluffy like scrambled egg type thing and she says it's amazing so um shout out to my cousin sophia and the scrambled s'more i'm gonna try it when I'm out on the road. All right. That sounds okay. good. Uh, and we'd like to uh, remind you, you can support us anytime you shop at Amazon. If you just click the link in the show notes or go to the unbeatables.com slash Amazon, a uh, small percentage of anything you purchase uh, 
will come back to us to help support what we do. So, gentlemen, I think we've got uh, enough of a sample size to kind of know who we are as a team right now. We we don't have Victor Oladipo back, which obviously is a big change. Um, but besides that, you know, the sample sets, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see the team varying too wildly from where we are right now. Um, how do we feel about this? Right now, as of recording, we're sixth in the East. Um, you know, we're... we're We've been uh, we've been pretty good, um, but how do we how do we feel about this? Well, Joe, we've been pretty good against bad teams. Like, I mean, I, I, look, we lost our first three games, and I'll give that to whatever we're trying to figure out who we are and all that stuff. Um, outside of the first three games, if you take that out, we're twelve and four. You know, I don't know if you want to give us a, a win or two or a loss or two on the other end. That's a really good record. But the thing is, all of our wins after that first three-game loss, like, I'm just going to take that out. And that still matters in the record book. But, but like, we, we started to figure out what we're doing um, and who we are as a team. We've had a lot of inju- injuries. Um, but essentially, um, this is a team that wins against bad teams and um, loses against good teams. Um, yeah, no. So I think I think uh, it's Bill Simmons who says that uh, we're the bad good team, right? Uh, essentially, we're beating the bad teams uh, and beefing up our record, but we can't compete with the the best teams in the league. Um, this most recent loss to Philly is, I actually, in my mind, made me feel better because um, we competed with, you know, what a lot of people said was a, a potential championship team before the season started. They've got a, a, a great starting five. Um, and we hung with them on the road and only lost by three. Um, but there was mental errors down the stretch. Um, there was coaching errors down the stretch. And I think um, this is the kind of stuff that's going to keep us in the sixth seed. Um, I don't think that there's a, a world in which, I mean, maybe Oladipo gets back and we can move beyond this, but it's starting to feel like this early in the season that we just are a six seed. Do you have any hope that there's anything better than this? Uh, well, yeah, Victor Oladipo is going to get healthy at okay. some point, right? I mean, that's the hope. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that the teams that are ahead of us in the standings and even maybe a team behind us, the Brooklyn Nets, uh are i would say at this point as good solidly as good or better than than what this pacers team has shown as the ceiling and so the the biggest thing to me is uh you know you talk about competing uh against philadelphia and, and, and against these better teams and competing is one thing but winning is another ball game and i know fans are already can predict what i'm gonna say next because i'm a broken record <laughs> But NBA games are won in the last five minutes of ball games, right? And so how you execute and uh, perform and play defense in the in the last five minutes of ball games really uh, not only is is regular season NBA basketball, but most importantly is playoff NBA basketball, right? Um, you know that's why. <clears throat> You know, Miami Heat fans don't show up until the fourth quarter because they know nothing matters until the fourth quarter. And so I'm going to throw a couple stats at you that um, I I found interesting. 
Okay, so the NBA uh, keeps track of clutch stats. Uh, go to NBA stats.nba.com is a wealth of resources for you if you're uh, want to nerd out. Uh, the Pacers this year have played only six games of their 19 uh, as of recording in which they went into clutch time. And so that's uh, a game that is within five points in the last five minutes at any point in time. And they are two and four in those six games, which is uh, a winning percentage that is a winning percentage that is 22nd mm, in the league. Out of 30, right? Uh, of those teams. the Out of 30, yeah. The uh, thing that really struck me uh, here is if you look at a thing called turnover percentage, which is sort of an estimate of how many turnovers you will have per 100 possessions, basically. And the the Pacers, uh, in clutch uh, minutes in those six games, uh, have a turnover percentage of 24.7, mm. which is dead last mm. in the NBA, mm. ranking behind. Here are, the, here are the four teams ahead of us. Cleveland, Washington, Golden State, Memphis, surprisingly Philadelphia, and then Detroit. So you're talking about the, the, at least uh, three of the worst teams in the league are ahead of us. That's right. That's right. Yes. Uh, in terms of, of turnover percentage, and you can imagine that uh, taking care of the basketball or giving your opponent extra possessions in these already close games is not a thing. Well, okay. Well, let, me, let me say this to you, though, Jason, is that over the last – basically under – Nate Mimblin's run, right? One of the things that we've noticed about our team is that we're a team that doesn't beat ourselves. We can get beat, but we don't turn the ball over, right? So that that's one of the reasons we've been successful. Like we we, we just we have a better assist to turnover ratio than most of the teams in the league. Um, we just do, we don't beat ourselves. I still believe that Nate wants us to not turn over the ball. And that you know, I mean, that, that, that we play a conservative style where we don't shoot 40 footers. We're trying to score early or late. You know, everything Nate does is conservative, right? His whole philosophy is conservative. Don't turn the ball over. And yet we're at the very bottom of the league of turning the ball over late in games. What's going on? I mean, Many things, right? So, um, just to let you know that it is it, so one one could argue maybe we're just bad at handling the ball the entire game, uh, but our turnover percentage on the season for in total is twelve point six percent. So, in fact, we're quite good at as you mentioned taking care of the basketball. And in fact, that Philadelphia game was the first time uh, we had hit twenty turnovers in a game all season. Yeah. Right. We're very good at that. That's, so uh, that, that, that has been true for in the entire reign of Nate. That's right, and so I, I, I don't know why it happens uh, in these clutch situations. Part of it is uh, inexperience, right? In being in these clutch game situations. I mean, we've been in six so far this season, whereas most teams are in the. Uh, you know, 10 to 11 game uh, range of being in those situations. And experience is a thing that you can't 
teach. You just have to go through it, right? And I think that, so in part it's that, especially with a new group of guys, uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned ad nauseum, the uh, new faces and the different lineups that we've had to have because of injuries already this season. So I think that's a huge part of it. Um, but then it uh, it does also have to come down to preparation right. and execution, right. Right. right? So there there has to be a plan for what we're going to do in the last five minutes of ball games, And thus far, I haven't seen a lot of what our plan is. The idea is to get the ball into Malcolm Brogdon's hands. I would say three quarters of the time they set a high screen with Stabonis, and then hopefully some action develops off of that. Uh, as I mentioned in the, the Monday show, now they're they're wrinkling in a little bit of dribble handoff with Lamb, Jeremy Lamb or um, uh, TJ Warren, and maybe that's in preparation to slot Oladipo into those types of plays and get him the ball. Um, but teams, Philadelphia at least, Atlanta also uh, were, were trapping Brogdon early and sort of preventing that type of action. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's, I don't think you can pin it on one thing. It's well, oh, okay. Right? I would say that as a, uh, as a podcast, we've been um, critical of, Nate McMillan's ability to draw plays. We've been very forgiving of him because we believe that he creates culture. Um, we think he's been a part of the way that this, uh, uh, you know, locker room has changed along with Oladipo, um, and 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 that there's there is a sense in which people know when to be there, what their role is. You know, there's structure, right? And and we give. We give uh, Nate a lot of credit for the structure, and I think he's been great at that. And I, and, and as a fan, I, you know, I'm I'm happy about that. Um, but when we come down to these these clutch moments, um, and we have no inbounds plays, we have no, there 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 is zero creativity within this offensive uh, playbook, even against. A rival in which, if we'd won this game against Philadelphia, we would have been tied with them in the standings, um, and that's going to matter. Eighty-two games down the line, this is going to matter. Um, we couldn't figure out a play where we couldn't turn the ball over. Like, is this come down on the coach? As a as a scientist, it's hard for me to um, definitively. Uh make a conclusion without doing an experiment okay what's the experiment let me let me go do it for you what do you need well well the experiment is do you, you take the same players and you give them a different coach and what right. is the and we don't have that we, right. we don't have the chance to do that and 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 won't doesn't right. seem like it um history i in my mind tells us that nate it does not excel at being a an X's and O's guy uh, down the stretch of ball games. Creates a culture. He creates a structure. He's defense. He's efficient scoring, right? We we are one That's of the right. lowest three point shooting teams in the league, and yet we still win more than fifty percent of our games. And that's an outlier because he is very good at creating efficient shots. 
Like that's one of the things mm-hmm. that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a valuable thing in this NBA, right? To be able to figure out how to win games, being outside of this new math. He has that. That's absolutely right. But let's say, let's do a hypothetical and say that actually Nate McMillan is decent, or that's what he worked on in the offseason, was I'm going to work on, I'm going to get the sign up to the the, uh, listserv that Chris Mack has and get all these plays and we'll try these out. And uh, he's even good at communicating and drawing those plays up to his guys, but they're unable to execute those plays, Right. right? So that's the other side. And I don't think it's hard to dissociate, especially when you see situations where you can't even get the ball inbounds to see if the execution right, actually Because we works, threw it to the right? other team in the Philly game. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, to my mind, so the, the frustrating thing now that we're talking about this as a, as a, as a fan is clearly we've, we've hired a, uh, an assistant coach in Dan Burke who excels at defense and defensive schemes. He's probably the best defensive coach in the NBA. And Nate McMillan has no problem turning over the keys to Dan Burke and saying, design my defense, teach my guys. We're going to, you can even talk to them in timeouts. Why have we not over the past three or four years hired the Dan Burke of offense? Like, why do we not have that guy? Like, we do, like we don't need Nate to be an I offensive agree. guru as long as we have another person who is and who Nate is willing to say, here's the keys to the car. Is he so protective of the way that he wants to run? I mean, he is he was a point guard in the NBA. And so maybe he has he has a very defined vision of what he wants offense to be. He does, and his offense is exactly what we just said. It's it's protect the ball. He was as a, as a point guard. He didn't turn the ball over. He's he's one of the greats of all time as far as uh, assist to turnover ratio. Right, like like this is the, this is the kind of offense he wants to run. It's efficient. It's only when you're open and all this stuff. Like it doesn't take risks. But because of that, it also isn't inspiring, and it and it gets us to a place where, um, hmm. you know, we're running fairly for a whole game you can get away with running efficient offense but there's got to be some flair at the end to make something happen and i think we're going to lose close games down the stretch if we don't get creative about our offense and this is the type of thing i think that was masked when right uh oladipo was there or even when bogdanovich was there last year and was pulling shot the both of those guys can pull shots out of their butts and uh you know, save us. Right. Um, or you have super heady guys that have played together for a while and so know where each other is going to be and uh, whatnot. But you throw a whole group of guys that, you, you know, you throw the marshmallows in the 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 chocolate in the pan and you scramble it up, you don't know yeah, what's going to happen. it's going to be chocolate right? scrambled eggs, maybe. Or it could just right. be poop. It's probably going to be good, but who knows? We need to find the opposite of Dan Burke for offense. Do we need to look in the college ranks? Do we need to, um, you know, steal sure. somebody from uh, Greg Popovich? Is uh, Becky Hammond still available? Like, let's let's go let's go figure this out. It could be anybody. Let Bill Bano do it. Why can't you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Shut up. Shut up. Maybe he Shut has up, no Bano. Idea what's going on here? <laughs> he he does have he does half time comments. 
something that we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward because the number of close games that we're going to play is definitely going to increase over the season. And if we're going to make it to the playoffs and win four out of seven games in any given series, three of those games are going to be close games. And and also, just a reminder, this schedule is going to get harder. We had a very nice, easy opening to this season. Like, this yes. this this season is going to get harder. I just want to prepare Pacers fans for the fact that we're going to start losing some games. You're not going to like it. I'm not going to like it. It's not going to feel good, but uh, we're a six seed right now, and that's who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. that we're probably going to stay that way, and we'll see what we become after um, Oladipo comes out. But, like, at this point, we're that's we're kind of where we should be. All right, Joe, you got a stat of the week? I do. Joey, stat of the week! Uh, so this week... Um, uh, I want to talk about social media. You know, I know, I know, Colson, you're big into this. Yeah, I, uh, I, lo- I love the social media. I'm, I'm real good on the social meds. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, right now, it's the number of posts uh, on uh, Miles Turner's Instagram page, mm. and the number is zero. He uh, uh, deleted all of the pictures on his uh, in his account, and they deactivated his uh, Twitter account. Mm. Um, this happened uh, shortly after the uh, loss against Philadelphia, and it seems like there may be a lot of uh, negative commentary coming to him through those outlets. Uh, and it looks like he didn't want to play anymore, or he doesn't want to play the the, the what do you call it? Soch meets. So uh, he what had uh, three points and three rebounds in thirty minutes in that game, and uh, so people were attacking him, right? Sounds about right. Um, mm. I'm not happy about it. I'm not going to be mean Which, to him because I, I love him. He's my boy. Um, I want. I, I think he's my franchise. Um, and and screw everybody that's going out there and making him feel bad. But yes, do I want more from him? Yes. But um, I also don't like trolls. Be nice. Have a be supportive. Hey, it was a tough game. Be better next game. Let's do that. Let's just be better as human beings. Because now he's he's deleted his account. Like, that's not fun, right? We just, the whole point is for us to interact is, you know, social media should be able to make us all communicate better. And what we've done is communicate worse. So, screw you, Twitter. So, F you, Facebook. Exactly. (laughs) Um, be better. Like, look on this pod, we were critical of, uh, you know, Miles Turner last week, but I don't think we ever questioned how much we loved him and how much we wanted him to be better. You know, like you can't just do some quip and think you're funny and make somebody feel bad where they want to delete their account. It's not okay. Shame on Uh, you. Internet. (laughs) Uh, not mentioned. Not mentioned in any of the articles was him uh, deleting our podcast from. Oh no, he definitely did that. He, he, he that, okay. that was probably the first thing he did. That was probably the beginning of it. Sorry, Miles. We love you, Miles. <laughs> Just you know, I look. Uh, I I think he's uh, one of the most unique talents in the NBA, and um, 
we have talked about it since he was drafted. We always want a little bit more. We always want a little bit more. But just stay you, Miles. Keep getting better um, and stay confident because your team believes in you. Um, it doesn't matter what the fans believe because you, you go to work every day and yeah. those guys believe in you, so do it. Yeah. F the haters, man. Exactly. All right. Last thing we got for you. It's gonna, we're going to do a quick, uh, shorter show this week. It's, uh, it's After Thanksgiving, we're all tired. Yeah, exactly. I got too much turkey uh, on my belly. Trip fan level's extra high. <laughs> uh, we got an under-Googleable. Colson, what do you got for us this week? Oh, are we doing under-Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to, sir. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. Well, you know, actually, you mentioned that. It's funny because um, my under Google came from today. I was hanging out with my friend Sean. Uh, we were walking the dog Luke. I told you I was uh, uh, dog-sitting Luke last week. Um, we started talking about how um, wolves were begot all of these breeds of dogs, right? So humans have bred all of these styles of dogs out of wolves, which is amazing, right? So, and you think about um, the human relationship with wolves or, you know, sort of prehistory, right? Um, and so, um, then we thought about wild dogs. And we thought, where does the coyote and where does the hyena come from? Because if we are in sort of... Um, Mesopotamia um, and training wolves and mostly Europe, right? Um, and these dogs are becoming these things. How do we get to a North America coyote and a African hyena out of a wolf? And so I know it's sort of a weird question, but um, if I know that my chihuahua comes from a wolf, where does the coyote come from? So, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't know that the coyote and the uh, hyena or African wild dog uh, are direct descendants of the wolf. Well, okay, so, so they're, not, wolves, they're, not, they're not canines then? So is that, is that... They are canids. They're definitely canids, but I don't know if they are... Dis, if they are evolutionarily... Um, so we so we've been able to, as far as I understand, trace back using genetics and say that the domesticated dog uh, is descended from the wolf, right? Every dog comes from a wolf. That's crazy, right? That's right. But so so similarly that say pit bulls and German shepherds and chihuahuas all come from a, a common ancestor, if right. you will, right? the wolf right uh coyotes my i think my guess is that coyotes wolves african wild dogs uh hyenas all come from a common ancestor as well does that make sense so there's something above wolf yeah there's definitely some i mean that's how evolution works right so there's <laughs> it wasn't just 
<laughs> teach me. <laughs> teach I hate to break it to you, but but God didn't just design the wolf and say, "Here you are." And the then wolf. humans, the wolf then is humans uh... screwed it up. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Well, no, but but that's the thing. Like all of these domestic dogs are outside of evolution, right? They, these are bred by humans. So, evol- is there is it, are coyotes and hyenas evolution and not bred by humans, or did we breed these Correct. things as well? Yes, that's my question. No, 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 no. Did no, we no, breed no. a coyote? No. That's what I. Did it, did at least that's what my argument is. Did a dog wolf and then they, it, it became a coyote? No. Okay. So the coyotes and wolves, my guess is, have some common ancestor X number of million years ago. So they're all canines. They're all canids. Yeah. Canids, right, right, right. Yeah, that's the family, yeah. Uh, Joey, do you have any thoughts or feelings, or do you feel like this is... I mean, Jason's our expert scientist, but do you have any thoughts? Um, so if I understand what you're saying, you're essentially saying that uh, on the on the evolution, uh, or, you know, the evolutionary tree, uh, coyotes and wolves would be at the same level. Is that... Uh... So... Like they, the two. I suppose them ha- that's one way to say it. Maybe that's an easy analogy to say it, right? So it's not. So you don't want to think about evolution as sort of a A begets B begets C or whatever, right? Rather, the species that we have now diverged from some common ancestor, yeah, many many years ago, right? So like the the idea that we came from apes is not technically correct we and apes have some common ancestor that right uh diverged at some point and in different environments evolutionary forces shaped a chimpanzee and in other places shaped a human a neanderthal and then a human or something like that right right but i just more sort of meant like that that uh, the wolves and the coyotes have a, a common ancestor is that correct yes yeah. Humans would not. It, it it seems irrational to. The whole point of of domesticating the wolf, or I guess we didn't domesticate the wolf, but breeding from the wolf and domesticating the dog, is that it's domesticated, right? Those animals were selected for features of use to humans, right? And you wouldn't. I find it very hard to imagine that it, one of those subspecies would then go off and be able to thrive enough to then become uh, a hyena or a coyote, well, which is a wild animal. Can you imagine right? a world in which, like, you know, uh, we, we were trying They'd to... just be a feral No, dog. no, exactly. We're trying to create a collie who, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, makes, sh- you know, puts sheep into a, you know, uh, into a pen... And that dog runs off and, and, and is like its favorite thing is to eat eggs and whatever and it becomes a coyote. Or, you know, the same thing in Africa where like you're, you're creating a dog in Europe, which is this thing. And this, this wild feral dog runs off and starts a whole new thing, right? Like that was my thinking. I understand that thinking, but I don't think that there's enough population power, critical mass, basically. To make that, I think population power is the name line. of the pod because that's freaking <laughs> awesome. I don't think term. I don't know if that's a term, but population sure, power. 
But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that... There weren't enough of the same style. Yeah, of I think coyotes are much more ancient okay. than... All right. They, they've been in the... Like, new... as many of the dog species that we have now, we have bred within the last 200 years, which in evolutionary terms is, like, nothing. It's a nanosecond in evolutionary terms, right? Whereas, like, I bet you can read reports of coyotes existing on the plains... No, but we. Well, I guess you can't read reports, but I bet there's fossil evidence. But we've been in them. reading dogs since prehistory. Sure. And I'm saying to some of those escape. But we haven't done we haven't done targeted. Right. Uh, no, I agree with you. Uh, agree with you. The targeted stuff is more breedization recent. or sure. whatever. Uh, until like the late 1800s. Sure, but but pre- prehistory were befriending dogs we're taking the qualities we want or befriending wolves with the taking the qualities we want and breeding those wolves to get to something this is prehistory mm-hmm. stuff so i'm just wondering I if think somebody it's kind of ran unclear. away and created a hyena is all i'm saying i'm not 100 percent sure i think it's kind of unclear what the relationship between the wolf and the human was say ten thousand years ago or something like that right yeah, i thought we had dogs ten thousand years ago I th- and so I think that that is the dogma, but I don't know d- not to, uh, <laughs> to not to make a pun, but uh, I think it's not a hundred percent clear. Okay. Like it might have been just mutually beneficial that wolves and or humans, you know, where wolves were hunting, humans might follow and be like, okay, right. there must be game here, or th- the flip side, right? right? Like, right. yeah. The same way that cats were. Well, um, okay, so this is a great this is a great example. So cats, like we know that cats were really important in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Dogs weren't important there. No. What does that mean? Where does that put us? I mean, I think it's <laughs> okay, maybe a it wasn't a great point. Thing. I thought it was profound at the time. <laughs> well, I think it's a prevalence thing. I don't know what the do- wild dog population is like in. Uh, you know Egypt, right? Well, we have, but hyenas right? are in Africa, correct? Yeah, but Africa is a gigantic. Country. I know, but but what I'm saying is the, the wolves. The wolves came from north. The wolves weren't and like in, Africa. in a city. Well, they're not. Like, I have they're no not idea. wolves in Africa, correct? So how do hyenas correct. get there? So is is it actually okay? Here's a question: Is a hyena a cat? Is it even a dog? <laughs> is a hyena a cat? I don't know. I think it's of the the. Uh, the genus I'm, canine. I'm just, I, I just blew know. my own mind right now. Yeah. <laughs> Joey's so unhappy with that. All right, let's <laughs> let's Google it. What? Uh, so the the question is, uh, why coyote and hyena? How do we Google that? Hyenas are not a part of the canine family. Actually, are they part of the feline family? The wolf-like canids uh, include the domestic dog, the gray wolf, eastern wolf, coyote, Eurasian golden jackal, African golden wolf, Ethiopian wolf, black-backed jackal. Oh, the jackal. Oh, that's always good. I like the jackal. And the African wild dog. Yeah, so the coyote and the gray wolf are distant. Relatives. Oh, they are related, though. Or they're close relatives, yeah. 
but they're not um like so one didn't come from the other necessarily oh 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 so but they have a cl- they have a close common ancestor. so we didn't we didn't like make a dog and then release it in america and then that dog became a coyote correct okay. yeah um According to this, yeah. I'm the, reading right now that uh, they call the coyote the uh, prairie wolf, um, that they're only connected to the western. And Lucy and Clark were the first white people to ever encounter a coyote. Coyote is an old Aztec name that goes back at least a thousand years. I don't know. It's been taken into the American Southwest with Spanish settlers. Who brought the name to Native Americans? Colson, I think this is up your alley here. A uh, question on Quora is, is a hyena stronger than a coyote? Mm, I like this. Uh, and the answer is that a hyena has the bite that is the strongest of any land animal. It can easily crush bones into splinters and sever limbs with a single bite. The, the, the strongest bite of any land animal is the hyena. That's what uh, that's what this thing. I'm, that's what this thing on the internet. So it's says. the jaws of canines. I don't, I don't know where you got Hi- that from. So hyenas are not canids. So, oh, they're not. Uh, right, they're they're they, cats. No, they are of the. Gen- well, there's multiple genuses. They're actually pretty. Uh, so they're of the genus hyena. They're um, their own thing. They were, we just decided yeah. we couldn't cast some of them. them are yeah. <laughs> uh, Pliocrocuda, Adrocuda, and Crocuda Crocuda, which is the spotted hyena, which is the one you probably know best. Um, I just watched uh, Lion King. I don't uh, know anything else. They're they seem to be very distantly related to dogs. Wow, okay, so they're not canines even? Doesn't look like it. All right, well there you go. So we 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 so so humans did not create hyenas. Definitely not. And maybe coyotes. But probably not. Definitely not coyotes. Okay. All right, there you go. We didn't create either. Yeah. Your chihuahua is not connected to a hyena genetically. I mean, everything's connected at some well, point. Well, sure, we were all amoebas at some point, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. The, the chihuahua and the and the uh, coyote are not the same thing, is what I've learned. Correct. Okay. See, this is why I come to you guys because I don't know this shit. There you go. It was, this is it was cool. a, it was I'm a, excited that I learned that the hyena is not even a dog. A canid. I didn't know that. A hyena is not a dog. This this is this is the most important thing I learned today. Also, that uh, Nate McMillan needs an offensive coordinator. Those are the two most important things I learned today. <laughs> you just you just learned that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So canids to give you a a sense. So hyenas and cats are more closely related than hyenas and dogs. Okay. According to this random tree that I'm looking at that who knows how real it is. But. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I'd like to thank you for listening and hanging out with us uh, during uh, this nonsense that... Uh, uh, <laughs> that was pretty good, I thought. I feel like we learned some stuff. I didn't know anything about we, that crap. 
A hyena's a cat, not a dog. I don't know what's happening. It's not a cat. No, it's nothing. It's a <laughs> raccoon, apparently. I don't know. Uh, did I learn anything? No, okay. you did not. <laughs> but everyone else did, a so that's good. A a raccoon is all I learned. Okay. Uh, you can find us on social media. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter. Colson, if uh, people start bullying us on there, are you going to oh, feel those requests? I, no, I'm I'm down on bullying on the internet. But, you, but you're up on social media. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. I, I, you, I think you're up on it because you don't know how to use it. <laughs> I'm all in on I'm all in on social media. Okay. Uh, we're also as on Facebook.com. Nice, right? Just be nice. Slash the Unbeatables. He's never been on the internet before, so please be nice to him. Uh our website is theunbeatables.com. There's a contact form there. You can send us a polite message. Uh, please, if you can, rate and review us wherever you listen to the show. And we also have uh, t-shirts for sale on the website slash store. We also have uh, koozies. You should love. We you, got koozies. You, you get some koozies. Just, just... Get, get me a get me an address um, that I can ship some to. Yeah, I need I need a uh, case of koozies. Everybody okay. I know needs I just, koozies. Okay. And then uh, also uh, we have the uh, Undergoogles pod, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, linked through our website somehow. Mm-hmm. So do that. Subscribe. <laughs> search for it in your favorite podcast app yep. and subscribe. Turn out the lies. <laughs> the party. Boy, is it. Yeah. <laughs> How closely related is that song to a better song? I think it's, I think they're, it's they, part of They're it. not uh, derived from one another. It's, they do have common ancestors. That does have a common ancestor with music. But no, no, it doesn't. It might be Gregorian no, I, chants. I don't think it does. I think it's via, yeah, it's like, it's like the hyena is a raccoon, not a dog. I think that's what it was. Mm. Yeah. This isn't music. It's closer to a. You know what? You're right. It's it's actually closer to a raccoon than it is to music. <laughs> hey, look, we're all gonna die soon. Just deal with it. <laughs> what? That that escalated quickly. <laughs> You've been hanging out in nursing homes too. We're, we're real comfortable with death nowadays. 